And to begin us off, uh, we're going to start with a prayer. I'd like to ask uh, Brother Sean Kapusinski from Norton to lead us in prayer. Let's all bow our heads to pray. Heavenly Father, as we meet in this place this morning, we pray that you would be in our presence. We're thankful for these brothers and their willingness to delve into this topic, Lord, that affects each of us on a daily basis. Lord, this technology that um, has such an impact on lives and has changed so many things. And like many things that exist and are created, Lord, we know that you may have a purpose in them and that we need to be careful with them and disciplined with them. And so we ask that You would help us to be able to receive what's being taught this morning, and we thank you for your presence with us this day and throughout this week. We pray a blessing on the message that's coming here. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. First, I'd like to introduce ourselves. Brother Erwin Webble from Mansfield, Ohio. Brother Mike Petrak from uh, Brunswick Hills. And we both independently suggested this topic to the uh, committee, and so they had the good idea of, well, putting us together to present this. So it was kind of neat that neither of us collaborated prior to our suggested topic, and so uh, we take it as the Lord's will that we uh, continue on. And our, um, just to let you guys know, we do have five books available for someone who would want to deep, a deeper dive into this, uh, available for you to take home and have. So I have five of them up here, first come, first serve. Um, after that, they're, they're pretty inexpensive, $12 or so on Amazon or more, but roughly. Um, so most of our discussion will be coming from this book, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You by Tony Ranke. So this is not our own thoughts, but a lot of these things, you'll see that uh, they'll become pretty obvious to you, even if you haven't thought about it. Yeah, I, I showed this to Mike earlier about before we did a teen forum, and I, I videotaped him, and I, I was saying, hey, Mike, I just sent you, a, I sent you something. And so he's, he was uh, distracted. He was doing this one thing, one thing, another, which we talk about distraction. And he looked at this, and he visibly busted up laughing. But what's your reaction when you see something like this? So true? Any other comments? Being blinded. Is it a little bit sickening? Like you kind of like scary. I, I see. I when I saw this, uh, maybe about a year and a half ago, when, when I started doing preparing for this forum, I said I need to find that. So I you, all kinds of stuff googled. You know, stuff on face, a tarantula on face. Finally, I, I found this again. But there's something gut wrenching about this. It's very visible. It's very. Um, you'll remember this when we presented this to the teens. Their reaction, Mike, when you say it was a very similar, it was a laudable gasp. But I think, I think this really uh, shows is, and I told this to the kids, is this much different? I mean, how many scenes of this have we seen where this is the scene, whether you're going out to a restaurant? And I do want to say, our job here today is not to say throw away yourself, uh, your smartphones. It may be, for some of you, for some of us, it may be that. But the job, the, the purpose that we're doing here is to make us aware, basically what Tony is saying in the book, how our smartphones are changing us. And if we're aware of that, we may, we're going to be able to be better equipped to battle that. So as an introduction, um, 
Is technology, is the smartphone evil? No, right? It's, it's not evil. It's a, it's a piece of technology. The reason that we have hymnals in, in our hands, the reason that we sing, uh, we, yesterday we're just at praise and worship, there's a, a projector. If you go to the Zion's harp singing or the gospel hymn, there's a, there's a projector. What we have here, there's hymnals in front of us. All that is technology. Uh, we have that because of technology. And, we're, and what I want to show a little bit in our introduction is that this is exactly what God intends. Uh, if we go to the first. And just to show that some of these issues that we have, with this that Tony Ranke has and that Mike and I are presenting, there are other smarter people than, than we that have the same issues. I would like to show it to you today for the first time. I would like to show it to you today for the first time. And we call it the iPad. Steve Jobs in 2010 was on the stage at the Apple event releasing the iPad and he described it as, as a wonderful device that brought you educational tools. It allowed you to surf the web, it allowed you to watch videos, it allowed you to interact with other people and he basically said it's the best way to do all those things. Two years later when he was asked, uh, your kids must love the iPad, he said actually we don't allow the iPad in the home. We, we think it's too dangerous for them. The reason why he said that was because he recognized just how addictive the iPad was as a vehicle for delivering things to people. But once you had the iPad in front of you, or when you took it away from the home with you, you'd always have access to these platforms that were very addictive, that were hard to resist. So where his kids were very well adapted, well adjusted, may not have been prime targets for, say, substance abuse, they, like everyone else, are susceptible to the charms of something like an iPad and what it delivers. The research has shown that, from Barna, that kids online, they, they spend roughly five hours online on a typical device. And I have found that I've had to modify the way I counsel souls that are wanting to get baptized, wanting to be, be saved. I uh, didn't have to do this before, but they'll oftentimes tell me I don't have time to pray or read. And a couple months ago, I started asking them, I said, well, how much time do you spend online? And it was shocking, the... The, not, the amount of time that was spent online that they openly said, they didn't, I don't even think there was an inhibition to this was a little or much, it was on the caliber of four to five hours a day. I said, well, if you're spending four to five hours a day, there's no reason you don't have time to pray or you have time to read. Just something all of us as parents need to be aware of, of what our children are doing, and also maybe us as pastors, as ministers and elders, when we're counseling, that would be a good question. If you're not already doing it, I'm sure all of you are probably already doing that, but that would be something to start doing if you aren't. 
Um, also, we're going to be talking about redeeming our time. Redeeming means buying back the time that we have. We have a limited amount of time, so let's uh, use it correctly. Uh, technology, we decided it's not good or evil. It's, uh, the, the word I've in introduced in Mansfield is when we're, de we're dealing with issues that are um, debatable amongst Christians, neither good nor evil. There's nothing inherently good or evil. The word is it's an adiaphorous issue. It's not good. It's not bad in and of itself. Years ago, when, when TV was an issue, parents would say TV is wrong. Obviously, the parents that were saying TV was wrong they're not saying the cathode ray tube or the LED or the plasma inherently was wicked or evil and had horns on it. It's, it's what's shown on it and how you use it. Um, is God technologically advanced? Take a look at this world. Take a look at uh, nature. Take a look at the stars in the sky. Take a look at all the technology that we're able to do sending men to the moon 45, 50 years ago. Yes, God is a technologically advanced being uh, infinitely um, uh, and so we can see that technology started in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. And even in, before that, God told Adam to keep, to dress, to cultivate the garden. There was supposed to be order in the garden. The question I asked the teens was, what gives God more uh, glory, uh, the wilderness or the garden? Na the world will say, the world, the liberals will say it's nature, it's wilderness. Look at this, look at the beautiful, the scenery. But in fact, God from the beginning wanted Adam to order the garden. A garden by definition is not the wilderness. It's very particular. When you see a garden, when you see uh, trees, orchards, when you see uh, vines for a vineyard, there, that shows that there's a creator, there's intentionality in that. God from the beginning wanted Adam and Eve to do that. So, in fact, we are almost continually heading toward the smartphone as a partial you know, culmination, as where we are now, of God's glory. We've got to also view it that way, that we can now use this technology for advancing the kingdom. It's, um, we can even read in Job 28. It's an awesome chapter about mining. Long before, possibly long before, long before we knew anything about mining, they were doing mining back in that time of silver, of gold, and iron, and they, they brought it from the earth. What is technology? Just changing the raw materials that we see in the world into something advanced. And the smartphone is the culmination of that. Then one little statistic, the, the Apollo missions... Roughly, it was a 70-pound computer that took them to the moon. Um, in your hands, in your smart, with your smartphones, is a, um, about 10,000 times the computing power that gets you back home with the a, with a Google app of maps. So 10,000 times in a less than half a pound probably in your hand. So yes, uh, technology is not evil. It is not good. It is adiaphorous, but it's, it is also what God has intended for us. Um, I won't use the theatrics as much, uh, much to maybe somebody's, some of our, some of people's chagrin, but um, is an axe, you, now this is actually, for those who are not good uh, tennis players, you need a very big racket, this is 142 square inches, it's not in here, um, so the bigger the racket, the worse you are, so you can have, hit the ball more easily, but this is actually an axe, this is actually an axe, so you see this, is the axe evil? No, it's not, right? But it can be used for evil, right? I had a video where I was destroying something at home, 
uh, uh, something that I needed to get destroyed, so I was going crazy on it. Not for this video, just my kids were filming it. And then I also had a video where I lined up a bunch of wood, pieces of wood that I was chopping, and I chopped them all at once and chopped them down. And so it can be used for evil or good, and that's the same thing for technology. There's my theatrics axe at Eastern Camp. I know it's been done before, so... Um, something to also remember, smartphone. When Facebook first came out, there were almost no advertisements on it. It was presented as, oh, it's a way we can all get to know each other, connect with each other. It's almost purely advertisements now, right? That's, and that's what we got to remember. Everything that we get on social media, they're not making these apps for us to get closer to each other and learn about each other and be all touchy-feely. It's a cash cow. It's all an industry. Just remember that. We are all numbers, and that's why to them, and they want to focus in on trying to get us to buy more things. Um, the biggest thing also is there's a, we're a target of satanic influence. Satan is using this to change our minds and our thinking. Think about it. If our kids are on it four hours a day, if our kids are on it four hours a day, that's probably more time than you and I are spending with them discussing things. That's a lot of time. Just we have to remember that with our children that that's going on. There is a satanic influence that is going on. Um, when you're more online, you want better screen time, you want faster phone, larger phone, better apps, uh, more movies to watch. It's a huge billion, probably approaching trillion dollar industry. So the first thing we, as we get into this book is the first thing that this author, Tony, talks about is we are addicted to distractions. The phone keeps us away from things. When we're at work, and I, even as I was doing this at times, I would be looking for this, typing things in, and my phone would be sitting there, and I just start flipping through it. Just start flipping through it for no reason doing absolutely. It keeps us from work. It keeps people away. When we're in the in line at the BMV, the very efficient government uh, system that we have at the BMV, when you're in there and in line, you're in there for an insane amount of time, right? Bureau of Motor Vehicles, for those of you in Canada. Uh, maybe you have another efficient way of doing it in Canada. But so you're there, you're flipping through your phone, when maybe God wants you to be interacting with the person behind you and next to you. You don't have to necessarily share the gospel with them. We don't it's, you know, we talk about go, when we present the gospel to those around us, you don't immediately share the gospel right away, but you share part of the gospel, God's love, his grace. You share these things with them. When we're on our smartphones, when it's the first thing, when there's one idle moment, what we do immediately, we take our phones out. It keeps eternity away too. I think sometimes what Tony is, talks about in this book is we... The smartphones keep us from thinking about eternal things, about deep things of God. It distracts us from when we're just sitting there, when we're maybe looking at nature. Oh, this is getting a little bit boring. Let me put my phone out and see what's going on in the, in the world. What are some ways that, and then we'll talk about the good things about technology. What are some ways that technology can improve our relationships? This is an audience question. Okay, long-distance communication. People that you would never have been able to contact with or been, been by phone or which was expensive in the past or letters which were very slow, still are. Um, you can communicate that way with them. Thank you. Good point. Oh, what's that? Web 
WebMD, you can see, find out. You can start displacing. I, Tony, you like that, right? When everybody comes into the office and they all know, what, what they, they tell you how to diagnose it, right? Yeah. No, yeah, WebMD, you, you can get a lot of information that you normally would not have known, whether it's WebMD or other things. I know, um, on, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but on Sundays if I'm, or Wednesdays, if I'm preaching, I usually have my smartphone with me because if I want to Google something because I don't know the Bible as well as I should, I can immediately put one little line in there and it will give me the verse where it's at. Okay, so there, there's good things about technology. Here's a statistic. 81,000 times a year we check our smartphone about, four, about every four minutes. That's pretty huge. And then the question here asks... These are just things just to remember. How do, how smartphones resemble, how do smartphones resemble hand-carved idols of ancient people? And it's always interesting, right, when you're looking at it, the, the way our body is is we're looking at it usually like this, in bowing and obeisance to it. Kind of interesting. Just something to think about. How many of you have seen this picture? I have too. All right. What is interesting about this picture? Audience participation. They told us we have to, you have to participate. I could talk the entire time, but they said, Erwin, you got to involve the crowd. So this is my time. Check market. I got it. Audience participation. Yes. Now, grandma's the only one that's solely watching. There's a smart girl right here that's a little savvier than she is, but she's enjoying the moment too. Um, but she's completely watching it. You got this guy uh, here. He needs a newer version of the smartphone because he's fiddle-farting with it. His, his, it's not working. The app isn't coming up. You got this girl over here that's not really, she's watching the screen. She could, oh, this was Johnny Depp came to town. Johnny Depp came to town. And then, uh, so she's not even watching. This girl right here is not even watching, watching. She's watching. She could do this on YouTube. She could, rather than actually seeing the person. So this is, an interesting picture, and this incidentally also went viral. So, I mean, obviously, without the internet, we would not have even have seen this picture, right? So, so this is what, we, the next slide, number two, is we ignore flesh and blood. Um, 46 of 50 states in the United States have outlawed texting and driving. Any, any reason, why do you think texting and driving, which, does it increase or decrease the amount of accidents? increase right so when you see a fender bender what's the first thing that you think of right this is a little bit bad i know right you think like especially you're on the highway and there's it's it's, it's crystal blue skies and there's a there's a fender bender um why does it ignore flesh and blood if you're texting and driving and you're maybe texting somebody, let's say you're in, you're in uh, Ohio and you're texting somebody in California, why is that ignoring flesh and blood? Why would we say that? Why would he use this uh, example? Yep, so somebody that's close to you, right nearby you, you you're disregarding them for, for a relationship that may or may not be important thousands of miles away. So what, the, what cell phones do is we ignore flesh and blood around us. It's almost like that time when you're in, when you're in line and you're, not, you're, you're just on your phone. Remember years ago when the, when the uh, uh, iTunes came in and when you'd be in an elevator, when somebody would have their earphones in and you, you would basically, that was basically them telling you, I do not want to talk to you. Do not approach me. And then when you do, they, they take it their earbud out like, are you really asking me something? Like, I got my earbud in. <laughs> Okay, um, 
We talk about this a little bit later. Viral anger, it's easier to vent online. Um, Mike, Brother Mike will talk about this later. John 2 and 1 through 1 and 12 talks about uh, why do you think, do you think that spending time with someone in person is even better than communicating via technology? Why or why not? Is it better to talk to somebody in person or do you, do you what, what is better? Not do what do we enjoy better. What's better, talking in person or online? Why? Eye contact, yeah. What, what don't, we have emojis for that. Smiley emojis, contemplative emojis. Doesn't that take care of that? No, it doesn't. You know, it's like when you say to somebody, hey, I don't want to, I, I don't mean this to offend you, but you really irritate me. The saying I don't offend, mean to offend you does not take away the irritation that you just offended them. So we have to be very careful with, with that. Um, John 2, uh, 2 John 1, 12 talks about basically the Apostle John is basically saying, I wish, I mean, I'm writing you this letter, but I can't wait to be with you there in person. We've got to be also be very careful. Um, God has made us communicative beings. Um, we are meant to be together. Communion, the, the, taking communion and being in church together. There's something about being together in body, soul, and spirit. Yes, you could watch the, you could watch our sermons all online at Mansfield. You could watch many sermons online. You could have fellowship chats with people online. It's not, that's not the entirety actually at all of what the fellowship is supposed to be, what God intended, the koinonia, the, the together, uh, the fellowship is supposed to be together, putting all of our talents and gifts and God's great gifts in that pot and sharing together. And we already talked about how smartphones might p- prevent us from talking to people in the world. We crave immediate approval. Um, how many of us are guilty, even as parents, adults, of posting something online and checking to see how many likes there are? I'm the only one. Oh, you are too. You're very honest. Everybody else is. There we go. There we go. We got her. And then what do you do after that? You wonder... You almost, there's a little bit of a game. You see, well, if I put my whole family in, there's going to be better likes. If I, if I have me completing a marathon, there's going to be, there's going to be Sean liking it and Mike liking it and other people irritated that I'm posting it, so they're not going to like it. But if I put my whole family there and all this, so we, there is also something when, when we hear those clicks, Mike was just telling me about this uh, earlier when there's these, when you feel the, the clicks on your phone or when you see them or when you hear the, feel the vibration, there's endorphins or chemicals that are released in us. So when we, people like things, we, we, it, it, that's where that addiction comes in. We start to enjoy that very much. Um, just to keep moving, because this is obviously a, uh, 12 points, the line that I'd like to use at the end, the praise of man is finite. Obviously, I'm using FF and P's. The praise of man is finite and fickle, but the preference of God is forever. You won't find that in this book. I think I actually coined it. But if you find it somewhere else before me, I will take away my coinage on that. But so the approval that we need to seek, brothers and sisters, is God's approval, not the amount of likes that we get on stuff. What Ranke also argues in this book is that we lose our literacy. What's the tendency when you're reading something online on your smartphone, when you're reading an article? What is the tendency that we have, to, we have with that? 
Do we go in depth or do we generally skim? Skim. Yeah, we skim through and we find something that we really like. We, we maybe dig in. But we, are, we have a tendency to skim. I mean, we, how many articles we click on, pull out, click on, pull out, and, and we, we have that, that's, that creates in us. Um, it's shown also that people are reading less. Even online, they're reading less. There's re- less books that we're reading. And Psalm 1-2 one, one, talks about this. What do you think it means to meditate on the law of God day and night? When you think of meditate day and night, give me some thoughts that come to your mind. Spend time. That's lots of time, right? Day and night. The word that comes to my mind is wrestle. Like Jacob when he wrestled with the angel. We are, we are commanded. God wants us to wrestle with the word of God. God is revealing himself in the word of God. And if, if these smartphones are taking away that ability for us to do that, or limiting us, or making us easily distracted... God wants us to meditate, to wrestle on the Word of God. That's why we can read the Bible for all of our lives and we won't exhaust it because we are to wrestle with the Scriptures. But if we're we're just taught to skim, we're going to have difficulty with that. Okay. I think wrestling is better. (laughs) No, deep contemplation is good, Arnold. I like that. See, if you didn't get to know me earlier, I wouldn't have been able to say that. I would have been very like, oh, that's very wise. No, it is good. Would you say deep contemplation? Yeah, very good. Okay, we feed on the produced. Um, the, new, the new craze, or has been the craze maybe for the past 10, 15 years, is processed foods. We all, we've heard our processed foods, it's, we should get away from processed foods. Macaroni and cheese, that's, that's just from the box, and uh, hot dogs, it's terrible, it's terrible. We, we, and we kind of recognize that. We obviously don't always do it, but we recognize it. We need as parents, and we, for ourselves, not just for our children, because at the end we're going to reveal a little bit, we, we quiz some of your children as far as your habits, and we also know children are going to exaggerate and Many of these are unsaved, so it's questionable what they're saying. But um, we, we need to just recognize the stuff that we're taking in, it is produced. It's mass-produced. It's produced for a purpose. Facebook, it, it, those who are on Facebook, there is so much censor, censorship going on on Facebook of censoring Christian things and, and putting stuff in different light. CNN, I mean, that's, the, that's one of the worst things you could be looking at. It's, it's, it's completely from a, a certain bias, a very liberal bias. We need to understand that in the things that we're taking in, just like we do when we're very concerned with our food. Um, so we feed them the produced. It's good for us sometimes just to go walk around Look at God's nature without having to say, you know, hey, I got to take a picture of this. I got to make sure I capture this moment. I got to make sure that I, I if, you know, how many times do we do things as a family? Would we really do them if we couldn't capture them? Would we really do something if we couldn't capture it, put it on online, on a social media? So we can get involved in this, and that can be very detrimental as well. And the, the thing that we really should be feeding on, brothers and sisters, is the Word of God. Feed on that which God has produced. Um, we become what we, what we like. 
And this has also been shown that the more things that we like online, the more that we become like them. And that's why it's very important. Uh, my brother-in-law uh, said, Dan Irely said, when he was telling his children, when I was counseling his children, I started ta- counseling about how much time you spend online. He tells his children that when you like something, you're basically going to the pulpit and saying, I endorse this idea. I endorse even this person to an extent. So we've got to be careful. The things that we like, we become what we like. So we need to know what, what are we liking, what are we saying, we're putting our stamp of approval on. Mike. All right, so the seventh one in his book, um, can you hear the mic? No. Looks like it's on. Testing. Testing. Is that better? All right. So the seventh point is that we get... No, it's still not on. Yeah, we'll just, just use this. All right, testing. Okay, that works. So the seventh point that Tony has is that we get lonely. So it's, it's actually ironic because smartphones and smo- social media were supposed to cure this epidemic of loneliness among human beings and, and connect us. But the harsh truth is that we can always be lonely. We can actually be lonely in a physical crowd, in a large digital crowd. And people that are using a lot of social media are actually becoming more lonely. Um, so it's, it's kind of ironic. And in a way, if you think, of, think back to what Brother Urban was saying, about the, um, the producers of these devices and this software, the technology is drawing us apart by design. So instead of having one desktop computer for your family, I can get so much money out of your family. If I can get everyone to get one device or multiple devices, I can get a lot of money from you. Um, not to mention the warranties, the upgrades, the new devices, the new apps, and so forth. So they want you to buy more and more that way. I know that Brother Irwin had a good forum yesterday morning about pornography, but and this is one of the secret vices that are in these devices. So we get comfortable in these secret vices. And one of the reasons is because there is this lie that this is anonymous, this is secret. And whereas before with pornography, you could perhaps have it in a desktop computer or in a laptop, now you can have it in your pocket at all times, anywhere, anywhere that you're at. So this is a pervasive lie. But if you think about it, even if you erase all of your browsing history, God knows all of your browsing history, and it's not erased. It's a sobering thought that hopefully can help us. In a survey he mentions of 8,000 Christians, these are Christians, by the way, it talks about ongoing porn use is a major issue. And as Brother Werner, I'm sure, mentioned, it's an epidemic in our time. And um, not only with 2D, but um, going towards virtual reality and so forth in the future. And there's this, there's this drive that was even in the Garden of Eden to go towards something that's forbidden out of curiosity, out of novelty, and um, pornography. A lot of people get into it that way. Consider that when you're viewing these things, that you have committed adultery already in your heart. We know what Jesus says about this, that if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Now, he wasn't talking literally 
But he is talking about taking drastic action to prevent and mitigate these kind of issues. So we can extend this to devices today and say that if your scrolling hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to lose the capacity to scroll for pornography than have your whole body thrown into hell. It's better to enter into heaven having decided never to use the internet again. And like I said, that's drastic, right? Or not having a smartphone. Maybe that's what it takes. That's drastic. But rather than going to hell, clicking on every single thing that your eyes and your heart desire. And there are practical tools that can help you with accountability, such as covenant eyes, circle uh, device, conquer series, which I think is targeted towards men and so forth, and many helps that Werner mentioned. True freedom from the bondage of technology comes not from throwing away the smartphone like Brother Irwin mentioned, but from filling that void in the human heart with the best thing, the pleasures which are the glories of Jesus Christ. Tony's ninth point is that we lose meaning. So there's so much, the reason why we're scrolling and we're skimming is because there's so much data and our human minds can't absorb that huge amount of data. So we're drowning. We're drowning in a sea of irrelevant news and gossip. And what are we getting as a result? We're getting short attention spans. But if you think about it in the Bible, and, and Solomon talks about this in Proverbs and so forth, that how knowledge and wisdom is gained, it's not gained that way by skinning. It's gained by contemplation, by deep meditation. It has to be searched for, it has to be pursued. And it, it's interesting that things in the Bible just come full circle to every generation. This desire, back in Acts 17.21, Paul talked about, for all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. This desire to be news junkies is in our generation too and among Christians. But we have to learn the most important news, the breaking news of the moment, is not embedded in our software devi in our devices, but it's found in Jesus Christ, that he defines the purpose and meaning for all of life in the digital age and in every age. Tenth is actually we fear missing out, this term FOMO, F-O-M-O. Um, this anxiety, this disconnection anxiety where we compare ourselves online and we see that, oh, look at my life, but look at everything other people are posting. They're having so much more fun. Their marriage, their relationship, their kids, their job, their hobbies, are so great, but look at my life. My life is just nothing. I'm just eating a gallon of ice cream right here, feeling bad for myself. Uh, Brother Sam Klomp yesterday in his forum talked about the teens, this Gen Z, mid-1990s to mid-2000s generation that they're always on. They fear missing out. And it's actually a highly contagious thing. There is a story that I shared that he has in the book of an Amish woman who had grown up offline for 18 years. And then she got into being online on her, on her device, on her smartphone. And then after a period of time, she went to a missions trip where she was offline. But she couldn't wait to come back to the United States to be online again because she, she feared missing out. So it's not just people that grew up with it. You could be offline for your entire life and then get into this mindset. We're wired that way. But the only breaking news that ultimately matters 
is that the kingdom of God has broken into time and space, into this world, in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And that kind of news demands our sustained attention. And there is one fear of missing out that we really should fear. Coming to the judgment, coming to the end of our lives, and we're eternally missing out from not trusting in Jesus Christ. We're warned in Hebrews about that kind of fear. The 11th point, as we're wrapping up with the points of the book, is that we become harsh to one another. That as we talked about face-to-face communication, and the more personal the communication is, the better. You can read the body language. You can, you can see the smiles, or you can see the, the eyes. But when we're behind our device, when we're behind our keyboards, it empowers us. It emboldens us to be someone that we aren't in a face-to-face. We're more bold, harsh, and critical, and so forth. We, we put up celebrities. We disdain those that are nobodies. Those that are most like us, we start to envy them and become harsh towards them. This is the verse that Brother Irwin mentioned in t- uh, 2 John 1.12. How the technology in his day of paper and ink, and he felt like he was going to deal with issues, whether personally, relationally with the church, And he's like, I'm not going to write with paper and ink the technology I have in my day, but I'm going to come, if the Lord wills, and speak to you face to face. And I would encourage you, um, you can praise people online, but don't get into social media um, storms and fights, uh, as we see even many Christians getting involved with. But come and speak face to face if you're going to criticize someone or question someone, and you'll probably come to a much better resolution. And really, this is feeding, this social media and the smartphones is feeding our generation's outrage. Has anyone here noticed that it seems like, at least in the United States, that the level of outrage and being quick to anger is just escalating? Can I get any hands on that? Even from the governmental leaders and and what they're tweeting and what they're posting, We now have in our pockets the ability to harm and to embarrass and to um, stigmatize and label people with greater force than ever before in human history. And they're so simple. You don't have to be really smart to just go on Facebook, to go on Twitter, and just, but we're warned in James 4.11 not to speak evil of one another. So think about it. Even if something is true, should you go and post it? Should you go and tweet it? So we need a lot of self-restraint in our generation. And finally, we lose our place in time because life now is just a big whiplash. You're scrolling through Facebook, you're scrolling through your Instagram feed, and you see things like deep sorrow and then unexpected joys, cheap laughs and dumb memes, profound thoughts, deaths, births, so forth, and we're desensitized in our feelings. And life, relationally, face-to-face, person-to-person, doesn't go that way. So try to live in the moment and don't capture everything like Erwin was saying. Are we entitled to spend hours and hours every month browsing odd curiosities? I think the, the clear answer from Scripture is no. It is no. It is, I am not my own. I am owned by the Lord. My time, my mind, my body, my energies, my gifts, my talents, I've been bought with a price, the price of the blood of Christ which means I have to glorify Christ with my thumbs, my ears, my eyes, my time. I don't have time to kill. I have time to redeem. 
So at the end here, Irwin and I have some tips, which he has at the end of the book, after a lot of the analysis. Some of the tips are integrated throughout the chapters. But here are some practical take-home tips of living smartphone smart. Now this is going to take some courage and some self-reflection, self-criticism. Ask these three questions. One, about the ends. Do my smartphone behaviors move me toward God, or do they move me away from God? My influence. And you know that you have influence now, right? Being a leader is essentially influencing other people. And so if you have 250 friends, 1,000 friends out there, you are influencing people to a greater extent than maybe a preacher in a small local church. Do my smartphone behaviors edify or build up me and others? Or are they building up nothing of lasting value? And servitude. Do they expose my freedom in Christ or that I have a bondage to technology? Really, Erwin and I just want to present and think, think more mindfully of why am I going to reach for that device? What's the purpose? What's the goal for that? And when you reach for it, set goals and be mindful of your use of technology. One of the big areas in living smartphone smart is keeping your phone out of your bedroom, if, if you possibly can. I know that not everybody can, but this can be a big help, and the teens did tell us that this was a help. Use a real alarm clock, not your phone alarm, if you have one or you can buy one to keep the phone out of your hands in the morning. Don't bring your phone to bed um, or your tablet to bed. Before bed or waking up, you know, sometimes I, I scroll through the things or I check my email right before going to sleep and then there is, a, there is something that disturbs me, that bothers me. I was like, why did I just check my email? Why did I just check the news? And now I'm all upset um, in one level from going to sleep, but also the blue light. I know you can put blue light filters and so forth, but blue light does suppress melatonin and affects our ability to go to sleep and messes with our circadian rhythm. So one question is, what's the first thing that you check in the morning? Do you go on social media or do you check your Bible? Guard your morning disciplines and your evening sleep patterns. Simply turn off your phone at certain times in the day have an accountability partner. Limit the amount of times that you check your email. Check your email maybe at 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. and that's it. And let other people know, hey, I'm not on 24 hours a day. That's okay. Um, Whether you're a minister or whatever, most people don't need to be online all the time. If there's a real emergency, they can call 911 and they can deal with it that way. Here's a convicting question. Would your social media presence have enough evidence to convict you that you're a Christian? Perhaps your job or your reputation, even when we're hiring people on my, on my, for our team, I do check out their Facebook if they have a Facebook and their Twitter. It gives me a sense of, of how this person is. Are they going to stir up issues perhaps in the workplace that are not going to be um, conducive to work? Maybe you feel that as a result of this, and Erwin and I can't tell you what to do. We don't want to tell you to throw away your smartphone, but maybe that's one thing you can do. But spiritually, you can step away from your phone or for a season. Or you can rethink better boundaries in your digital life. We can't tell you, but the Holy Spirit can convict you to what you need to do in your own life. Consider the total cost of your phone. Do Do I need my phone? Do I need 
constant mobile web access for things. Can, can my web access wait? And when you're driving, like Erwin said, for sure, your web access can wait. Turn off all non-essential notifications. Use self-restricting apps. Invite others, your friends and your family, your spouse, to give you an accountability and feedback. How am I using my device? We have blinders, all of us do. But how am I using my device? Let them speak into your life. Leave it out of sight, power it off, flip it over, which is a sign of respect even in a meeting, in a workplace. Especially when you're eating with your family or family members or friends at the dinner table. Some people find it. The teens as well, they said they, their family has this tradition. They just put it in a separate place. They put it in a bin and they, and they have conversations, with, real conversations with their family. Imagine that. Digitally detox, and I want to let Erwin come up and talk about this. He's actually interested in doing one himself. So this involves deleting expired, non-essential, time-wasting apps. And uh, he, so Erwin, if you want to talk about the digital detox a little bit, which you plan to do, and ask the audience about if they would be willing to. Um, one of the things that he speaks about is doing a digital Sabbath. Uh, so when I first read this, I thought about that, and I was usually always online, always had my phone with me. So what I started doing about two months ago, unless I'm preaching on Sunday, is on Sunday and on Wednesdays, when I go to church on Wednesdays, but on Sundays, all day, I will leave my phone at home. So I'll check before. Sometimes Walter will text me and say, Erwin, can you assist in the morning? So I check it there, but after that, I put it down, and if I'm not preaching all day, I will leave it at home, and it's, it's a really neat thing. At first, it's a little bit, okay, I, you know, somebody can't reach me. So if they're at, work, if they're at church, they say, Erwin, I text you, and I said, hey, what did you say? You can say it to me right in my, my face. It... Let's, let's chat before, like, chat verbally. Um, so I've started this for about, like, two months now, and it's really neat that on Sundays, leaving it at home for one day, that's what he recommended as a digital Sabbath, and it shows me I don't need to be on my own. I, and if somebody needs something, I, I search for a pen and paper, I write it down, or I even tell them, hey, text me, it's going to be at home when I get home. Or whatever you need me, I can write it down. So... One thing I'm going to do at the end of this year when I'm, I'll be on vacation is do a week of what he recommends is once a year to a, do a, a digital Sabbath week. It'll be a week off of offline where you're not scrolling through, you're not looking at uh, online stuff, you're not looking at social media. So that is, good Lord willing, I plan to do that to, to follow what he, his recommendations are. What's that? Uh, we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> That's good. I, I'll, I'll let you hold me accountable. Um, all right. You next? What are we going to do next? Yeah, so th this is just a, a summary statement here that we only get one life to live. Wouldn't it be better spent enjoying and serving the world God made rather than a glowing screen? So like we said, technology, it's not good or evil, but it's a gift. It's a gift from God that we can receive with thanksgiving like we should receive every, every gift. And if you imagine, like we even put this presentation together on this technology and with our smartphones. These are, these are wonderful tools that we can use in our life if we use them right that can be used for God's glory. Here's just some additional resources. The AC Counseling has great resources and articles and references on many topics, including this one. 
Here are some others, and we'll, we'll send this off so it can be posted to the campsite. There are some other good books that Tony Reiki wrote and others about technology. Um, so here, we just want to have a time of questions, answers, sharing. Um, we did this with the teens. They were, recept they were receptive toward it and got feedback. So. One of the questions that we asked the teens was, uh, was, how many of you have smart devices? And when they raised their hands, it was around 95%. That was, this is not scientific by any means. So it was a huge amount. There's a lot of young kids in there. You know, is that just something for you parents to consider? Is that the, the best thing? Um, we asked, uh, we were really surprised. And I think maybe this might be because they have, they have grown up with smartphones. Many of, most of us in this audience haven't. So we're pioneers and we're, we're sometimes, we might be actually worse abusers of the smartphone than at times that they are. Now, I know they're going to be portraying themselves as really pristine and parents as being, because I asked, I asked also, well, how are your parents with technology? How are they into it all the time? Are they always on their phone? And there was an audible chuckle by the, by the crowd. So, of course, these are your kids. These are my kids. But we need to be modeling good behavior for them so that they aren't chuckling at us and that maybe we do make purposeful times that we do have it away, like Brother Mike was saying, put it outside, let them see, no, my phone is here, I'm reading a book, an actual book. Um, what were some of the other questions, Mike, that we asked them? That there was yeah, I, was, I was surprised to hear how many of the teenagers actually turned off their phone in church. Um, there, was, there was a good percentage that did. Um, one suggestion because we were asking them, how, basically, how do you restrain yourself from being on your device all the time? And one said that their parents have a, have a technology and a means to turn off their Wi-Fi certain times of the day. They can turn it off at 9 p.m. They can turn it back on at 7 a.m. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, one kid said that they leave their phones downstairs to charge. They don't bring it up to their bedrooms. And then they come back down, and, and it's, it's there back in the morning. So I thought those are creative things. Um, we wanted to ask the parents, how have you adjusted habits to make technology work in your own family? What, what are some things? So you can go ahead and share. I can uh, walk around with a mic. So we've obviously new at this, but you've, we've all made adjustments to our habits. So I think it's good for us to share and hear what other parents are doing and have done to learn from. So hold, hold on. Next. Oh, we'll, get you, we'll get you after. Tom, go first. Oh, three years ago, this might be a little bit extreme, and kids don't, help, don't uh, hate me for this, but three years ago, my wife and I talked the way back from camp, and we just shut it down. We took out all electronics for the rest of the summer. Uh, cold turkey, just boom. Are you still uh, doing that then? So when summer uh, comes, or? We are doing it summer. Uh, Mo not, as, not as viciously, but. Uh, so you're giving in, okay. We're giving in, but that lasted, <laughs> that lasted to November on the first year. And okay. uh, honestly, two weeks of really bad and after that it was normal life they were outside playing doing yeah. things yeah yeah it was i mean maybe it was extreme but it worked okay bertoni well, not only this has increased the incidence of uh, suicide and depression also recent studies have shown that it interferes with brain development because now they're starting two three four year old uh, using three four five hours using these devices okay so it interferes with brain development Thank you. I had a personal experience. Um, you know, I was that typical person who had all the social medias and was pretty active in it. And uh, 
I started coming to a time where I was, where God opened my eyes and I realized that it was severely affecting my marriage and also my relationship with my kids because it was getting to the point where they're taking away from my time on social media or whatnot. And so I took extreme measures and literally got rid of it all. And because I knew how bad that was affecting the, the family life. And now it's getting to the point where now I'm, when I'm getting home, I actually just plug my phone in and I don't see it until the kids are in bed. And I've noticed a huge change in my life. And it just kind of made me remember back when I was a kid, we didn't have those things. My parents didn't have those things. And, you know, I saw the severity of what it can do and how, how bad it can and brutalize a family, and it was actually affecting me personally. So I encourage everybody to kind of follow these rules and um, just kind of really limit what you're doing and see, just take it back, sit and, and you know, step back, step back and take a look at what it, it is doing to people because it affects everybody. So, And one comment on that. When you do that, when we do go offline, what, what do you suggest, uh, Ranky, Tony? Don't announce your return back. Like, I'm back, you know, I'm going to tell you all my experiences of my spiritual fasting. Because what that is, is you lose your reward, essentially. That's the same thing as when you say, look, I'm fasting, I'm doing this, I'm so awesome. So resist that urge. And what he also says, which is kind of funny, most people won't even notice that you were gone. <laughs> we think that they will, but they probably won't. So good point, Zach, thank you so much. Uh, someone in the back? Most people think Southerners are slow, and that might be true. I was 68 years old before I got my first cell phone, and I got a jitterbug. I don't, sometimes it rings, I hear it, sometimes I don't. Same thing with emails. People send us emails. It's upstairs. Jan and I might go up there once or twice a week to look at our emails. <laughs> and I realized that and I tell people this, we live in the age of technology, and some of it you can't live without, but it controls your life. And I'm glad I didn't get a cell phone. I had enough headaches, enough people call me. If they want me, they'll find you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just want to appear first, and then we'll... Uh, just for my kids, uh, we, we put an app on their devices to, to basically allow them only 30 minutes a day. Um, and as they get older, I mean, you can't control them, right, because they're going to leave the house at one point. So now we've taken that off. So we sort of taught them 30 minutes a day, get that sort of built in. Now we've taken that, we've turned that off. Now they have to, we watch and see how they manage their time now. Um, so if we see that, you know, they're on there now, they're sort of exceeding that, time that we've sort of allowed for them you know we're waiting to see if they're going to make that decision okay so at 40 minutes we'll say okay you you didn't manage it well right and you know just sort of giving them feedback to let trying to teach them how to manage their time um, as they get older that's awesome what you're doing is very obviously it's very smart give them the guidelines and then pull back as parents we can't always be protecting them until they're 18 they're going to be disasters then so pulling back earlier and seeing how they react, good point, and then giving feedback. Back here. Just quickly, I don't know if you mentioned it. I don't think you did, but there's another, there's a documentary that's really good that Kirk Cameron put out called Connected. I think most people, in, in Canada, it's on Netflix. I think it probably is in the States as well. It's a really good documentary. 
I mean, it talks about all ages, I think, and it, it, was, a, it was a big eye-opener for us, for sure. Yeah. Yes, we uh, went and saw that, and that was very good. It also showed also the, the dangerous, physical dangerous side of predators that, are, that happen online and social-type media. Thank you so much. All right, it was, uh, well, back here, and then Fred up. Go back here. Um, I'd just like to share that contrary to popular belief, I tell it myself I'm not that important. And I, I, when I go into, I do sales for a living, when I go into a customer, my cell phone stays in the car because those people want my undivided attention. When I say a meeting, that includes church too or when I visit anybody. People think, we all think we're so important and that someone somewhere has to reach us. And I would just suggest to you that you're not that important and that if you look at a person physically in the eye and spend time with them, you'd be amazed at how well the meeting goes. Thank you. That's awesome. Appreciate that. There's one up here. Fred? Some of you may know that uh, there's several of us brothers that are trying to get technology filter systems in place and time-limiting devices into our church families in circles. And it's a challenge. Uh, I want to do a survey right now. How many of your homes have either Covenant Eyes or Disney Circle or some filter-limiting device? Raise your hand. We've, we've seen it at about 25% back home. Um, what I just saw is well under 50%, meaning that it's wide open for temptation on smartphones that are in the pocket that you talked about. Um, we have also done the policy of no phones in the bedroom, no tablets in the bedroom, no laptops, no iPads um, for our children because there's no accountability. Um, Covenant Eyes gives accountability on reports so that, for example, parents can see all the destinations of all web traffic. Mm. You can even get that emailed automatically every week or every day. So the blessing of that is it turns into self-accountability if you loop in your kids on the email because nobody wants to see their own self-incriminated, let alone the parents. And it just holds us all in check with, with some of this digital influence. So let's um, get some action items going in our home churches, roll out some of these devices. If you're not familiar, ask somebody who knows how to implement them. They're not that hard. Best Buy, for very little money, you can get Disney Circle. And it'll loop into your Wi-Fi ID so that any device, doesn't have to actually have an app um, on your phone or your tablet, any device can actually just join this, then the parents can see the device and say, okay, we're allowing X amount of time and things like that. So I really believe that there's some good action items that will help us in this. Really appreciate this forum, Brother Erwin. Another one? Brother Dave? Uh, Brother Erwin, Brother Mike, thanks for doing the uh, forum. Um, as a personal testimony, uh, our family uses Circle, and um, I disdain Disney. They just happened to buy it. But <laughs> got a router, replaced what the cable company gave us. And our, Laura and my smartphones have little pictures of our kids' faces, and it's attached to a device. So if they want to watch a streamed TV show or if they want to use uh, a tablet, we reward them with an extra 15 minutes. Or if it's past their bedtime and they want to use their time, you it's not as easy as I might be selling it, but you get to learn it. You reward them and they then have an appreciation. So 
Circle is built into the router too, if you don't just buy the device. But, um, oh, and the, the last thing is, when we have company visit North Phoenix, and you're all more than welcome <laughs> to come visit us in North Phoenix, uh, one of the first questions from a lot of company is, what's your Wi-Fi password? And so I just tell them, here you go. Here are the hours you're allowed to use Wi-Fi. <laughs> I'll be watching everything you do and get the report that Brother Fred mentioned. So just know that there's a lot of different functionality and features, but for kids especially, it's quick to learn the, uh, the ones that control the kids. Uh, they really do make it um, user-friendly um, and dummy-proof. Last question for Brother Irwin with the, um, with the Sabbath. Is that sundown to sundown, or is that the calendar day, or how does that work exactly? Yes. <laughs> Any other ones? We still have... I mean, all we're doing is going to eat. I mean, not the end of the world, right? So if anybody else wants to share, we have one up here and one in the back. I actually got on social media to keep an eye on what my kids are doing, not to watch them present. My kids are grown now, so I trust them. They're all believers. But just to keep in touch with them because my kids will say, oh, I went here, I went there. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like so cool. Send me a picture. And they're like, I put it on Instagram, Mom. You know, so I got an Instagram account just to see what my kids are doing and to keep in touch with them. Very nice. Cool. Yeah. Very appropriate. Yeah, I know we have to back. wrap up because of adult choir. I think there was one more in the back. It just, uh, really, just really quick. Um, so I do a lot of work with Google and Facebook in some of those companies. One of the big issues that Facebook is dealing with is loneliness among their employees. Um, that topic of loneliness does really become an opportunity for us to, to build relationships and spread the gospel. Thank you very much. I did forgot about uh, adult choir. One thing that's very interesting, I just I forgot to mention this about what social media does. It does tend to separate us into individual groups. You know, as a runner, I like to I like to engage with a lot of my running friends, and that separates me even more, maybe theologically. So we become very uh, segmented, and the church is not meant to be that segmented. That's why you go into a church, iron sharpens irons. You're, you're going with somebody that you disagree with. So that's why we have to be very careful with how social media can separate us and segment us unnaturally. God wants us to be together as uh, a body. All right, that's all, all the time we have. Thank you. <laughs>